You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Friday the 25th of March, absolutely sweltering here in Dubai, up to 39 degrees in the midday heat as you join me now. Delighted to welcome Rishi Passad to the show today, who is just limbering up for rehearsals ahead of tomorrow's live broadcast of the Dubai World Cup. Uh, Rishi, I'm hoping it, it cools a little, but you're a man who can remain as cool as a cucumber under this sort of heat and this sort of pressure. I take my lead from you, Lucky, and the way you constantly keep your cool in the most severe temperatures that we are forced to work upon <laughs> uh, is a perfect example of how the rest of us should cope. I don't think there's too many podcast faithful who are currently weeping salt tears <laughs> at our plight out here in the desert. You've been coming to just about every World Cup, I'd say, this millennium. Uh, how do you rate this one in terms of quality? Oh, this is as good a World Cup as I can remember. I, early years, when the likes of Curlin came over. Uh, there was some tremendous horses. Obviously, I didn't see Cigar come over in the original year, and then there was Singspiel. But in recent times, I think this is as good a lineup for all nine races that I can remember. This is an absolute. Every race, every race has strength and depth. Every race has the potential as well to deliver a top class star. Uh, so hopefully we get that. Well, let's just zone in and focus on the on the big race. Do you just keep it simple? This has often been a race that has really crowned champions that has really let the world know what america already knows here's a really top notch horse we saw it with with arrogate we saw it with curlin we saw it with street cry is is the same going to be said of, of life is good after he comes here and routes his field on saturday night my heart says i'd love to see that i'm slightly concerned about the fact that there's the potential of a spoiler in hypothetical uh, perhaps locking horns with him I don't think Hypothetical's got the natural raw speed that Life is Good has, um, but it could just unsettle him slightly. I do think he's the best horse in the race by a country mile. Um, but he'll have to face a little bit of a challenge for that lead. Drawn in stall one, you wouldn't want to get too far back. So there's just that to deal with. I think if he gets over that, he wins and he wins well. I think it is simple. I think it's between Life is Good and Hot Rod Charlie. I think the rest of them are playing for third, fourth, fifth, and whatever else. I think it's just between the top two Americans, and I think life is good is the best. I think it is that simple. We've got the top two Americans on our broadcast as well. We have indeed. Brittany Ayrton and Michelle Yu. Michelle, you'll be analysing the races. You and I work together in, in Saudi Arabia. You're working with uh, Rishi and Brittany and, and Tom and me on, on this show. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you think horses like Hot Rod Charlie and Country Grammar stand up to the quality of life is good. Can they lay down any sort of challenge to it? Well, I think that what we'll see is that life is good as fast, but distance is certainly a question mark with him going this far. And a horse like Midnight Bourbon and obviously Hot Rod Charlie, who is runner-up in the Belmont Stakes going a mile and a half, both want the distance. I also think the two of them are a little bit more versatile and they're able to sit right off. If life is good is going to go wing it, um, you know, that's that's 
a dangerous situation to let speed loose. I know Rishi thinks that uh, hypothetical might be pressing him, but like he said, I don't think he's as naturally fast. You guys don't do internal fractions in the past performances. I tonight am going to be timing uh, these races that hypothetical ran because I want to see how fast he is compared to Life is Good, who can go sub 45. There are those uh, who don't necessarily come to Dubai and, and work on, on shows like this that, that believe that this is simply a jolly for thrill-seeking members of the international media. What you've just heard is Michelle Yu is going to spend her Friday evening calculating <laughs> internal fractions. Absolutely. When someone doesn't do it for you, Nick, you got to get it done. <laughs> so true. So true. Angus McNay is completing the team here and comes every week to Dubai um, to, to analyse the racing here. Talking about a potential spoiler for Life is Good, is there any local horse that's actually good enough to spoil Life is Good? I don't think the locals are good enough, Lucky, to be honest. I think the Americans are going to dominate. Um, Hypothetical's got a wide draw as well, so he's going to have to use up a lot of a lot of gas if he's going to get to the front and even press Life is Good, who's drawn in stall one. The Pletcher team are very confident. I, was, I had the privilege of speaking to Todd a couple of days ago, and I asked him if he was confident, and his reply was, I am super confident. And that was all he had to say on the matter. There is a slight doubt about the trip. He's going 10 for furlongs for the first time. He's by into mischief. He tends to get fast horses. For example, Man of Promise in the sprint on the turf. He's by into mischief as well. There's a slight worry, but I think his speed will carry. I think he'll gain enough of an advantage when he kicks off the home bend. And I don't think they'll peg him back. I just think he's too good. How many wages have you had for Dubai World Cup night so far? Uh, I've had six. <laughs> Just the six? Just You've not played in every race yet? No, I'm not, I'm not going to play in every race. I think that I can't play in the Schumer Classic. I think it's an absolutely brilliant race, but I, I really, don't, really don't know what to go for in that. And I've left the Kayla Classic alone, Rishi, the purebred Arabians as well. I quite like uh, Lord North in the Dubai Turf again. Do you? Do you? Because I thought this was a much better race than the one he won last year, which was really thin, I think, because of the pandemic. They're all turning up this time. Correct. It is a much tougher race. But his run at Lingford last time has gone completely under the radar, completely unnoticed. Alan Kerr smashed the track record. Lord North ran his best ever time figure in that, despite looking rusty and forced wide. I think he's got a great chance back here. He's around about the second favourite at 5-1, to one, so I quite like him in, in the turf. Well, you've teed up a couple of interesting themes, I think, for the night, and I'm sure themes that you'll be exploring here on the, on the set during the course of the broadcast. William Haggis spoke to me on the podcast yesterday. This is the single most impressive and deep international challenge he's ever had for a fixture like this. Angus mentioned Alan Kerr, who looked completely different ball game uh, on, a, on a track that shouldn't have suited him and a trip that shouldn't really have suited him at Linkfield. Oh, he was a very good three-year-old. Uh, you know, his form through the year stands up pretty well. The run, of course, behind Mishriff in the Judmont International. Yes, he was beaten significantly by a top-class horse in Mishriff, who was probably as good as he's ever been that day. But that run at Linkfield, where he... He was given a very, very good ride as well, must be said. Uh, but it utilised the, the skills that that horse possesses, the characteristics that he uses to excel in a race, which is he was handy and he was asked to run and stretched his field out and he was just staying on too strongly for Lord North at the end, who obviously would have needed that run anyway. I think Alan Kerr's a huge player in the race. Uh, the, the fact that William Haggis campaigned him as he did last year is enough for people to take note that he's a genuine top-class Group 1 horse over a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half, is more his distance as well. I think he'll, he'll go close. I thought you could sort of say these big turf races are, are Charlie Appleby, your beer obviously in yeah. the in the, in yeah. the Shima Classic, William Haggis double-handed in the Shima Classic, and Japan. <laughs> uh, and frankly, given what we saw in Saudi, Angus, do we need to look 
do we need to look beyond the Japanese? Are they not just better prepared now for these, these races here in the Gulf? Yeah, I think they are. And I think the breed is developing all the time in Japan. And I think they are big players on the international scene now. They're not just bit part players as they used to be in the past. Um, and I think the likes of Shireya are going to run really, really well. Japanese derby winner contesting the Shima Classic, likely to go off the international favourite and deserves to, really, on the balance of what Shireya's achieved thus far in his career. And I think he'll, he'll go really well. He's quite lightly raced. So, so he adds some extra spice to it. I think the international raiders this time around are really strong, very strong from the States as far as the Shaheen is concerned. You know, they're, they're quite strong in the turf and the turf sprint as well. They're incredibly strong in the Dubai World Cup and there's good Japanese raiders as well. So the international challenge is huge this week. Uh, Michelle, uh, we talked a little bit about the horses from the States in the in the World Cup. What about on the supporting card? Angus talked about the Golden Shaheen. Um, do you think Dr. Shivel's got the, the requisite pace for this? I, I think that Dr. Shivel has some untapped talent that we haven't necessarily seen. We got to see a glimpse of it back in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship when Flavian's rein broke and that horse dragged him right up to the lead. They've come from off the pace in pretty much every single race. He's been, you know, four or five off. I would love to see them just utilize his speed. I know we've got, uh, where is Craig from on the outside? And he's almost forced to, to do something. I think that class is a question mark with him. Like, why not come take a shot? But I don't think he's as good as good old Dr. S. Well, Flavian Pratt will ride Dr. Shivel for trainer Mark Glatt. Mark's son, Ryan, has been here supervising proceedings. I caught up with him yesterday. Um, I think he's doing great, you know, and it's a different, different, different type of atmosphere, obviously, than Santa Anita, but he's, he's handled it good, and, you know, we're just hoping for the best. What first gave you the indication that, that this was the right type of horse to travel? Uh, the $2 million to start, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when we, when we got beat in the Breeders' Cup by a no dirty nostril last year, we, we were looking for ways to make up for it right away. We didn't want to wait till November next year, and so... This was the closest one we could find. I suppose with a with a campaign like this, you want a horse who's hard enough, streetwise enough. Does he is he is he naturally a horse who takes things in his stride? Yeah, he is actually. He he's kind of one of them horses in the stall. He knows where he lives and he doesn't want you around them. But once you got him outside, he's a really cool horse to be around. And you know he he knows what he's doing. So it's always good to have a horse like that. How do you read the race? You know, I the European or the Dubai form I can't really read because. I've never been to the UAE or anything like that, but what I've been told is there's a little bit of speed in the race and he should be sitting tactically, so I'm hoping for the best. And for you and for your family, what does an adventure like this mean? How significant is it to you as a, as a, as a group? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, uh, Not all the owners were able to make it this year, which was unfortunate, but they're definitely going to be watching on TV. And, you know, Jed Cohen, who is the main man of this operation, and Tim, his son, you know, that... They've done everything, you know, they've done everything for California racing in general. They've, they've done a lot and they've done a lot for my father and, you know, it'd, it'd be really good to win a race for like this for them. You know, they, they're, they're the type of people where you'll get an email from them one day saying they bought a horse, you know, they, they, they just keep on buying and that's the, type, that's, the, that's the type of people you need in the world or in, in California, especially with the way it is right now. You know, it, you know we recently have a shortage of horses in California and, you know, California in the United States is, in my opinion, the best racetrack in the, you know, the best racetrack to train on in the world. You know, in Kentucky and stuff, you know, it's horse country and stuff, but you got to deal with the snow and cold weather. In California, you're, you're, you know, you're looking up at the San Gabriel Mountains every morning in 80 degrees weather and sun, and you're like, am I really here right now instead of being in Kentucky in the snow, so...
Well, Ryan Glatt, and good luck to him and to, to Mark and all the connections of Dr. Shivel. It would clearly mean an awful lot if he were to walk away with the Dubai Golden Shaheen. Uh, the UAE Derby is, is a very, very um, deep field. I'm not sure it's the best running of the race we've ever had, but we've got the, the Saudi winner, Pinehurst. This is going to be a very different test for him. Will he get the distance? I didn't think that he could get the distance in Saudi, Nick. I'm going to be quite frank. I thought that that horse did not want to go that far. I think the one turn certainly helped him. Um, I'm not entirely convinced he wants to go this much further. For me, I prefer um, the Japanese horse that was runner-up. Okay, uh, guys, who's going to win the UAE Derby? I still like Pinehurst. I thought he was taken on a little bit in the early stages in Saudi. I thought if he got away on the front end, I think he's just too good. All right, and you talked about Man of Promise a little bit earlier on, Angus. Mm. This sprinter who mm. absolutely wowed everyone last time when he won here. It can be a funny track, can't it? This straight turf track here at, uh, at Maidan. It can it can play slightly curiously as the as the meet develops. Do you think that was a bona fide performance, and can he back it up? I'm not sure whether he can. Rishi's back it nodding up. away. It's been that's been his problem, Nick. You've hit the nail on the head. That's leads blue. Been his problem over over the years, backing up one run from another. For example, last year he won here, and then he was terrible when he ran in this uh, big race um, on World Cup night. But he's won two on the bounce now, hugely impressive last time. But he benefited from coming down the stand side rail. He got right across. Buick was keen to get right across. So I think a high draw is important, but the rail's at its full width for World Cup night. So it's, it's a longer way to come. It's further to come if you're going to get to that stand's rail. So he's not going to have the benefit of that necessarily, but he's got the best form and he comes here in great nick. Buick chooses him over creative force, which I think is interesting. And I think that might be a horse that probably needs the run. He's not been out here in Dubai very long and he, he might just need it. So Man of Promise is a, is a worthy favourite, but can he back it up? I'm not sure. And beware, beware the Super Saturday bounce. Horses run big races on Super Saturday and they can, they can bounce here. And that might happen to Man of Promise. That's a worry for me if you're, if you're backing him as favourite. Let's just take stock of a couple of other significant international stories. Obviously, in the UK, we're launching the flat turf season with the running of the Lincoln, which in itself, Rishi, looks a good race. Yes. But the headline is that you don't really need that higher rated horse to get in. I think 87 is the lowest rated horse. The spring mile has thinned out to just nine declarations we've got a problem we've got a big problem and it's not the first time we said it without question nick i own a very small share in rogue bear and we were very concerned whether we'd get into the race uh, and i was slightly surprised at how easily in the end he made the cut uh, it's a problem that we've discussed on this podcast a number of times there are far too many races there's far too little prize money uh, and we're seeing it more and more now the spring mile nine runners without stressing the point too much it's an embarrassment um, and unfortunately, I don't see anything in the next six to 12 months that's going to arrest the problem. And it'll keep getting worse. I said it at the start of the year. The likelihood is that problems will continue to get worse. And no one's doing anything about it. Yes, every time it happens, we highlight it. Mm. Members of the media talk about it. Members of racing public. Fans talk about it. No one does anything about it. Isn't the truth of it that it's an antiquated program for the existing horse population? So it just needs restructuring rather than there being you know, too many fixtures as such. And how much longer will it take before we start restructuring? Because this, this is something that, as I said, we've spoken about, you know, this excellent podcast has been going for such a long time. 
how many times have you spoken about it with well, me? How many episodes we've done? 450 plus episodes. I reckon 100 of them probably. Exactly. So quite, quite clearly, people have spoken about this a number of times and we're still in the same position talking about the same topic over and over again and nothing's changing. But Rishi, Rishi, restructure all you want. But if these good horses, when they reach a mark of 95 and above, are being sold immediately abroad, what difference is that, restructuring going to make? That's another major issue to deal with. Yeah, you have to retailer your race programme to, exactly. to the population we've, we've you've got. got. We've you got know. competition as well. We could double our prize money. People are still going to be selling horses to Hong Kong, mm. Australia, here exactly. in the Gulf. The racing's growing and growing all the time. Their, their need for, for animals is, is, is huge. Burgeoning jurisdictions are a huge threat mm. to our programme. During the, during the winter, Saudi, Bahrain, Dubai, these jurisdictions continue to increase their prominence and there's a huge challenge why have we recognized that this is happening when we talk about it all the time and yet very little is done about it that might be preoccupying us what's preoccupying uh, the writers in the united states at the moment well news that finally after his latest appeal um against his failure to to get a stay uh, was lost bob baffer has finally had to start moving his kentucky derby horses uh, Michel. So he has now moved, or he's advised his owners to move three of them to his former assistant trainer, Tim Yakteen, and one to, to Rudy Brissett. So the West Coast keeps three of Baffert's horses. Um, how do you think the the racing public's going to react to, to Yakteen taking over the, the, those three? I mean, Yakteen's a pretty below the radar. I would say that, that until now, m- many of the general race watchers probably didn't know about the long-established relationship between Yachtin and Baffert. They do share some owners. Um, Pegram and, and Watson and Weitzman all send horses to Yachtin as well. He obviously does a really good job. Tim puts his horses in good places. He's having an excellent meet, so it's nice the horses get to stay here where they're logical, and Yachtin has the infrastructure to be able to ship horses and do well out of town. We've, we've seen him campaign grade one winners, so I mean, all is that's it, good. Is it important for you as a Californian? I mean, someone who is steeped in Californian racing that these horses stay stay on the west coast would it have been I mean irrespective of your personal views on the whole Baffer saga and we don't need to go over it all again on today's podcast but is it important for race fans that these horses stay on the west coast to a certain extent, yes, right? Because we like to say West is best, and these are some of the best horses that are on the Derby Trail and here till now have been ignored because of the whole ruling. So the fact that now as we're getting into these 150-point races, all of a sudden we have the opportunity to actually see if these horses can be Derby horses and we can still use them as representing California, I think is extremely important. It's always tainted when the horses go somewhere else. I mean, even life is good, started out on the West Coast, mm. ended up on the East Coast. People don't know what to do with them. So I think when a horse can maintain in the jurisdiction in which they have been introduced, it does keep that momentum forward. I do think the moving of Black Adder to Rudolph Brissett was a genius idea, though, because the horses run well in synthetic. We don't have that opportunity out in Southern California. That horse is a great move to Turfway. Well, back home this weekend, the start of the Go North series takes place at Musselburgh Racecourse and continues at Kelso and then at Carlisle. Heading the team at Musselburgh and headed the team at Musselburgh for many years is Bill Farnsworth and he joins me now. A Bill, terrific initiative this. Just to explain the concept behind it. Uh, so the concept behind the, the Race Post Go North series is that um, a lot of owners, you know, they race all year round through the winter. Um, as you know, a lot of disappointments, uh, particularly with jump racing, bad weather, abandonments. And then we get to the spring, and um, it's fantastic if you've got a horse good enough to go to the, the festivals at Cheltenham, Aintree, or Air. 
but a lot of people don't have horses that good. So we just felt we ought to do something for those owners, trainers and jockeys who've been sort of slugging it out um, around the race courses all winter. So we've created this sort of mini festival across three race courses with, um, with nine finals. And I suppose the sort of burning question, given particularly what we were talking about earlier on on today's podcast and what we've spoken about so much as an industry over the last couple of years, is it's great having the creativity with these ideas, but you've got to have the the horse population to service them. How have you found the uptake? Well, very good, Nick. Uh, We're delighted with the the finals that we're staging, and uh, they're good at Kelso tomorrow. And I spoke to Molly at Carlisle this morning, and she said her declaration's very good. So the, they've worked very well. Uh, my only slight concern is that it does have an impact on, on other races elsewhere, because, as you say, there's only so many horses to go round. Um, so maybe from a race planning perspective, we'll have to have a look at that. But I thought the field sizes at Sedgefield yesterday were quite small. And I know that you've been a huge supporter also, not just of this series, but also of the, the Skybet Sunday series. And it's a similar thing, really. You're trying to be a bit more creative, trying to find ways of filling your fields and you know attracting the horses that are around. Do, do you think sort of as, a, as an industry as a whole, we just need to, need to look at everything and work out you know, what really appeals to people now and that we've got rather different needs and demands and quantity of horses than we had 15, 20 years ago? Yes, I mean, I think racing is all about being aspirational. So whatever level you're at in racing, you always want to do better. And it's it's all very well and good if you've got horses good enough and you're living the dream of heading to Cheltenham or Aintree or on the flat York or Royal Ascot. But but a lot of um, a lot of owners and trainers don't have horses that good enough because they they are the elite horses. So what we're trying to do is create that aspiration right down through the racing program. And if you look at today, you know the horses running in these finals today for thirty thousand pounds are basically class four horses. So they're not world beaters, but thirty thousand pounds is a is a great price for them. So this is their big day, and that's what we're trying to do and keep owners engaged in the sport and um yeah give them give them their day in the spotlight and Musselburgh is a it's a terrific race course and it it caters for horses who tend to want a little bit better ground and and have plenty of speed particularly uh over jumps what can we look forward to in in coming weeks because this is quite a busy spell for you isn't it into easter and beyond uh yeah so end of our jump season obviously um so it's a nice way for us to end our jump season and we've got you know jockeys championship trainers championship owners championship all happening at Musselburgh today uh the owners championships really close there's about five owners all in with the chance of being the top owner at Musselburgh this year um and then we head to Easter Saturday for the flat um with the Queen's Cup and um yeah really good quality race day £100,000 Queen's Cup we've got 51 entries for the Queen's Cup which uh, looks like it'll be a brilliant race Well, it's Friday, which means we check in with the global rankings with our friends at Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. And it's a very special Friday as well because the Dubai World Cup favorite, Life is Good, occupies the number one spot as the best horse in the Thoroughbred Racing Commentary global horse rankings. I'm going to read you through the rankings of all the runners in the World Cup. At 11 is Remorse, number 772. At 10, Chua Wizard. 
5.29. At 9 is Aero Trem, the Uruguayan, 4.09. At 8, Grocer Jack no longer runs. He scratched Grocer Jack. 7, Manu Kaur, placed in the race before at 2.31. 6, Country Grammar, the Saudi Cup second at 2.07. 5, Midnight Bourbon, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, 1.01. 4 is Hypothetical, potential pace spoiler, local horse at 78. 3 is Real World, will he act on the dirt this time? I don't see why, 41. 2 is Hot Rod Charlie at number 9. And at number one, of course, is Life is Good. With British books, Life is Good is freely available. James Willoughby at around about 8 to 11. And on TRC Global Rankings, that might seem not a bad price at all. James, what are you expecting from this horse? I'm expecting a show in the Dubai World Cup. I don't see any excuses for Life is Good. The racetrack should really suit him. It's the type of test that will suit him. He's by far the most talented horse. Hot Rod Charlie, I think, can put it up to him, especially as he's got the sort of early strike capability that might, if played right, turn this into a really strong test of stamina at the distance, Nick. That I see as the only potential Achilles heel for the favourite. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? If this horse puts on a show, you fancy he needs to get out from his inside gate and just draw further and further clear. He's not the sort of horse, I don't think, James, if it does turn into a total war, that you could really see, or, or you'd want, if you were an American player, to play underneath, as it were. I sort of see him winning impressively or, or disappointing over the longer distance in a really attritional race. Nick, over the years when we've discussed top flight dirt racing, we've always talked about the races within a race. And what that means is that we think of horses' ability as being tied to their single furlong capacity. Because as anyone knows who's tried to run in a race themselves or has exercised, if you are forced to go even slightly faster than your comfortable cruising speed, you will be reduced from being the equivalent of a 100-rated horse to that of being a 40-rated horse. Uh, early pace, but general all-round pace, is deadly weapon on dirt in particular. Dirt is a more one-dimensional surface in a good way than turf. I'm very fond of the way dirt races pan out. And life is good, has the best single furlong ability in this race by a clear margin. Hot Rod Charlie, I would say, has got a little bit more versatility. If you go through the sectionals of, of, of his races and you look at the way he runs his races, he can throw really fast bursts of pace at his opponent. Sometimes they can absorb those, those bursts and go past him and and hang on but he will give uh, even a very good horse a race and I think he's an, a really interesting element of this because I see him as potentially drawing out the full level of ability uh, that this life is good possesses. James Frankie de Tory gets the ride for Bob Baffert's much in the news again this week on country grammar the Saudi Cup runner-up now you and I spoke after the Saudi Cup tried to rationalize it the TRC computer didn't really like the race, did it? Not at all, no. And then, again, it reminded me, and we did discuss this afterwards, of the um, Arc de Triomphe, who also had a shock winner. And it means that the way that the rankings algorithm looks at this is not to just promote horses uh, to a new level en masse, but it's to say, well, it likely means that the ones that we, that we were favouring before the race aren't quite as good as maybe we thought. And I think country grammar is a bit of a victim of that because it was an improved show. If you go back to his American domestic form, he's an imposter at top class level. He's got no chance, I don't think, of being a, a global superstar. 
But that Saudi Cup run, the movie made on the turn, yeah. that suggested that there's more ability there than we thought. And he could well prove that he deserves to be regarded as a top flight runner himself. But we need that extra level of confirmation that this race may or may not provide. James, the one aspect of the, the rankings on this race that surprised me was how relatively high, given where he's been competing, i.e. locally, hypothetical is. And I yeah. just wondered whether the, the computer thought he was a good enough horse with that early speed to actually be bothersome to life is good. I don't think so personally. And I agree with you. I, I thought he did look slightly out of place. He's had eight runs and his best computer race ratings are 116, 113 and 111. And none of those would see you land in the, on the winner's podium in the Dubai World Cup. In fact, you'd be struggling to get fourth. And so I see that as being his fate. But as you've already uh, referred to, he has got early pace. He hasn't got anything like the early pace of life is good. And if this was a match race, we would see that hypotheticals apparent um, enthusiasm early would be made to be put very much in the shade by life is good. Who's got world-class early pace. He's a much better racehorse than hypothetical, but this might be something somewhat tactical early. It might be because of the mile and a quarter distance. And it might mean that hypothetical with stamina on his side might well drag the field through those early fractions and maybe split the race apart. So the danger, I guess, for life is good and the rest is that we have a meltdown, isn't it? Do you see it that way? Oh, it's possible, but the more I think about it, the more I think and hope that life is good is going to come through and stamp his class. However, I qualify that, James, by saying I think he needs to take a big step forward, even from his decisive win in the Pegasus World Cup, the form of which, as the computer has told us, has taken more than a few knocks. Interestingly, after you and I spoke about the Saudi Cup, we discussed on the same day the performance in the Winter Derby of Alon Kerr. Now, that's going to be yeah. significantly because uh, Alon Kerr defeated uh, last year's uh, Do Dubai Turf winner, Lord North. And you can actually make a, a case for both horses excelling this weekend, which would be quite something. You can. And the undercard, which is a strange way to refer to a meeting that's got four other group ones <laughs> and three group twos. But that has a raft of very interesting horses, particularly the Japanese contingent who are coming mob-handed into this event. And there are so the usual smattering of really top-notch proven stars from Japan, but also an underclass of horses who are really seeing whether the strength in depth in Japan is quite uh, as great as presupposed, because on their own domestic form, they won't have any chance in, some, in these top prices. But we've seen time and time again, I'm thinking now of the Breeders' Cup distaff, of, of horses that have stepped forward from the, uh, the white-hot environment of Japanese domestic racing and proved themselves on the international stage. And to start the day, Nick, there's a really interesting contender, I think, 16-1 to 1, Great Scott. And it doesn't require you to be any great student of international racing to understand this one. For he was a length second to Emblem Road, the Saudi Cup winner himself yes. last time out in, a, in, a, in the local group, one in, in Saudi Arabia. They were seven and a quarter lengths clear. And what's significant that day is the time. One mile in one minute, 39.77. And what that's telling you is the surface must have been pretty slow. Mm. Uh, that day and subsequently that proved out I think didn't it in the in the main event itself 
But nonetheless, that's a rock solid run from a horse who's done nothing but impress on his other form. He finished third in the Saudi Cup 2021 as well. And um, although he's got trapped 12, he's an interesting horse because look around the world. European racing has always held a hegemony over all the other colonies when it's when they've been mixed in race things like the latterly the the Breeders' Cup and then in Australia in the distance events and in the European pattern as well. But now we've got the rise of the Middle East as well as typified by the result of the Saudi Cup. Australian racing simply cannot fail to get better and better and better given that it's so richly endowed and not just that the great enthusiasm for racing down under as well which will propel it all they're waiting for is a top-notch stallion to appear and that's going to happen in the next few years we saw animo last week devastatingly impressive um and there are so many other horses that, that are going to step forward there and what i'm saying is these international races such as the maidan carnival are getting more and more significant because they're offering more and more clues as to how nations like japan and indeed germany Another interesting one, gradually creeping forward, relentlessly getting better. How these nations intermesh with each other. And hopefully we distill all those form lines in TRC Global Rankings. And races like this Dubai World Cup really can give us a lot of confidence that the rankings, are, rankings as expressed on our website actually are those which um, translate to real life. Right, well, thanks to my guest out here in, uh, in Dubai. Angus, Rishi and Michelle are still here. And I think they're all going to give you one best bet for, for the weekend. Captain? Uh, it's a tricky one to go best bet, Lucky. Um, Come on, you've had okay. six yourself. I'll go, I'll go um, Al Nafud to make all the running in the yeah. Godolphin mile from an inside draw. He didn't just tell you the result. He showed you how it was going to be done as well. Man of promise will not get beat. Ah... Golly, that's so tough. I'm trying to find someone like that makes sense. That's, I don't know. I don't know, a bad person. I really like your beer. You like your beer? Yeah. Okay, that'll do in the uh, Dubai Shima Classic. Thanks very much for listening. Um, we will see you again on Monday. That was Friday the 25th of March. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.